Hey everybody, welcome back to this episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, the Good, the Bad, and the Say What. I am so thrilled to have two very special guests joining me today. Um, we will have Miss Tracy Leto Smith and Kayla Paulson. I'm gonna have them introduce themselves and tell a little bit about who they are and what they do. And then I will dive into why we're here today. So Kayla, I'm going to turn it over to you. Wonderful, thanks, Nicole. My name's Kayla Paulson, and I have the privilege of being a full-time consultant, trainer, and coach. I get to work with amazing volunteer centers and volunteer engagement professionals. And as we'll talk a little bit later, I work with Redirect, and help them as a C coach, along with supporting Alive as a service enterprise ambassador. Well, Kayla, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you are joining us. And Tracy, how about you? Um, thanks so much for having us, Nicole. Um, I am also a consultant. I am a volunteer engagement consultant. My business is volunteer management consulting. I get to work also with amazing organizations around the country that engage volunteers in a variety of ways. And my goal is to help them do that as effectively and efficiently as possible. And so I get to work with Kayla a lot these days, which is a real treat. We um, both are uh, C or Supportive Environments for Effectiveness coaches for the Redirect Foundation. Um, and we also both work uh, with Alive, the Association of Leaders in Volunteer Engagement on the Service Enterprise Program. And then I get to work with other uh, organizations doing professional development and training around building infrastructure and volunteer engagement. Love it. Love it. And so one of the things that I love about having both of you all on is it proves that there doesn't always have to be like competition or competition is healthy, right? It helps bring the best out of everybody. So to have two people who are doing similar work, but not exactly the same, um, being able to have a common goal and to help each other achieve that. I mean, I think that's the epitome of like volunteer management in general, because we're such a supportive industry anyway. And I think this is like a beautiful display of exactly what that is, which leads me into why we're here. Um, my last uh, guest, I think it was like a couple of a couple of sessions ago. Um, I had the the wonderful and amazing Erin Spink, and we were talking about her new ebook that had come out, which is talking about new voices and perspectives. And we were having this conversation because I told her what, what I wanted to do for this year with my podcast is to be able to highlight those who we rarely hear from in the profession who have so much to offer. And I wanted to highlight new voices. And then her ebook came out and I was like, I have to talk to you. And then we had this amazing conversation. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to reach out to every person in the ebook and see if I can get them on here. And so far, so good. So I wanted to start this whole um, podcast session off with the piece that you all wrote um, together, which I love it, the... Um, 
collaboration, and it's called Creating Supportive Environments for Effectiveness. So how did you all decide to either even come together to do it? Um, And then like, was that a conversation? Did you both reach out to Erin separately? And she's like, oh, y'all should do this or because you guys are awesome people. Not that even if you didn't do it that way, you weren't awesome. Were you just like, let's come together and do it together and approach her? Like, how did it all come together to even happen? And then let's talk a little bit about your piece. Um, It came together really beautifully. The timing just worked out perfectly. Kayla and I uh, have been working together in a, a couple of capacities for a while. We were in... Um, a community of practice with one other ambassador and some folks from this organization called Redirect um, about becoming ambassadors for this this framework called Supportive Environments for Effectiveness. So we were having these conversations, having these meetings, really diving into the research behind this work and um, being creative about how we might be able to offer different types of programs, cohorts, learning opportunities for organizations to benefit from from this framework uh, that that is a way, a lens through which individuals and organizations can look at their operations in general. And we've we've really focused it in this article on volunteer engagement um, in a way that creates supportive environments, supportive space for all the individuals that power their work. And so I was forwarded the, um, the opportunity. I'm sure Kayla received it separately. I received it from Sue Carter Kale out in California saying, Aaron's looking for some some new ideas, some some new thoughts on volunteer engagement, and it was just so obvious that this was something that you know might be worth uh, putting together. I'm focusing my work in that realm on volunteer engagement specifically. Kayla is doing even more broad work, but I'm sure volunteer engagement will be woven in throughout. Um, and so I brought it up and said, should we, should we write something together? And then it, it just went from there. It was easy to write. And Kayla, uh, was just an incredible collaborator as always. Um, especially since I had just had way too many words there. So Kayla really helped me cut that down and make it more efficient. Um, and so it was a great experience and we were thrilled to be included. Well, and I'll say what I love about our collaboration and the way that we come together is Preci and I work in the same space, but we, our brains are so differently wired. The way that we see things, we can be looking at the same elephant and I'll let her look at the front. I'll say I look at the back half, Um, but it's funny because we are able to do that yin and yang and partnership and challenge. And, you know, you say it's not competitive, but I'm like, I think we push each other to be even better and to look at how can we make this more effective and land with the audience better and challenge so that we have a more holistic view of that elephant. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's a whole nother podcast we could talk about just that the beauty of having so many different perspectives because of that exact reason. But I will uh, keep myself from going there and I'll, I'll keep it here. Um, so let's talk about the article itself. Um, what did you all write about and why did you feel so compelled to do so? I'll 
start off and Tracy chime in. So again, as she mentioned, it's supportive environments for effectiveness. And it's funny because I came to the work through an opportunity with Points of Light as an affiliate volunteer center and working with their volunteer engagement training program. So, you know, that's how I entered the space. And then I had the opportunity to participate in a learning circle. And as I did that, and I did it with other volunteer centers and volunteer engagement professionals, we were all like, this makes so much sense. This is what we need for our organization to really look at volunteer engagement as a solution that's an organization-wide strategy mm-hmm. and that sets people up for success, lets them bring the best version of themselves, their skills and talents to the organization to help make that mission, that meaningful action come to fruition. Love it. You mentioned um did you say a volunteer circle? Like you were in a, can you explain a learning circle? A learning circle. Yes. Um, can you explain what that is? Yeah. So instead of a traditional classroom, if you're thinking about your model for a traditional classroom, you've got a teacher at the front of the room and especially me being a little bit older, we all had desks that were facing the front of the room. The teacher stood there and talked. a learning circle is more of a Knights of the Round Table kind of philosophy Mm. where it helps. Again, you're going to have a facilitator that's guiding and course correcting and filling in with resources as needed. But it positioned all of us to know and understand that the humans, the people that are engaged in our organizations, think about volunteers to be each other's resources and support as we were collectively learning together. I love that. I love that. And I can see that being used for so many other different things. Again, I'm trying not to, y'all are like giving me all this. I'm trying to like sit in my chair and stay here. Cause I'm just like, oh, but I'm not going to do it. So, um, but I really, 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 really love that. Um, so Tracy, would you like to add on to what Kayla said? What's what resonates for me with this framework, and I don't know since this is a, a podcast, and, and I know you do uh, share the video version. We could share sort of the visual image of of what this looks like if that's useful. If you want to, sure. If I can share my screen just to give folks an idea of what we're talking about, if they happen to be watching the video version. Uh, but uh, the idea of this framework is that it allows organizations or it it helps organizations um, look at things, whatever it is, their challenges in their organization from everyone's perspective and helps them um, think about what people need. What are their informational needs? Yeah, so there are three main buckets of considerations. These, what we call domains, model building, how do people build a map in their brains of what we're talking about, what we're trying to do. How do we all get on the same page and have a shared vision about whatever our work is Uh, being capable? Are we all able to do the work? Do we have the mental capacity? Do we have the energy? Do we have the skills? Do we have the resources to actually do what's being asked of us? And then meaningful action. Does it matter? Does it matter to us? Does it matter to the world? Does it matter to our communities? And those three sort of buckets of 
considerations, things that we should be thinking about no matter what we're doing in our organizations made so much sense to us specifically around volunteer engagement. One of my primary tenets of volunteer engagement is that it needs to be mutually beneficial, right? We, of course, need to meet the needs of our clients and our communities and of our organizations. And a lot of times those needs come first, but we also have to think about the needs of our volunteers. And sometimes that, that gets lost in the shuffle. And what C helps us do is make sure that we're also considering the experience that our volunteers are having and including them in the conversation, bringing them to the table to make sure that we're building, helping them build an appropriate model for where they fit into our organizations, that we're giving them the skills and the knowledge and the tools to do, to contribute in the ways that they've raised their hands and said, I want to help in this way. And that we're making sure that they know that what they're doing matters to our organization. We are so appreciative because you are helping us with web design. And because you're helping us with web design, we are able to plant more trees or serve more people uh, a meal. So that's what this is really all about. You know what I love about this, in addition, is often in a lot of um, meetings that I sit in, in on and workshops and things, People are always talking about, um, especially volunteer engagement leaders, they're talking about getting buy-in from other people in the organization. And what a wonderful way to use this model to help share and create that, right? Especially in the thing, um, going back to what you're saying, it needs to be mutually beneficial because a lot of times we get so caught up in in what we're doing, that we forget that we have to help to show the perspective of how it can be beneficial to other departments and you and like using this to tie all of that in to help to get the buy-in, I think would be like a, a, a magical, a magical tool. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say, Kayla? It's a game changer. Yeah. Because again, it's also not looking at it from only my view because your CEO has a different model of what volunteer engagement is. I bet you if you asked every single middle management or director even versus your CEO, there, there's going to be a little bit different model because again, you're looking at different sides of that elephant. So making sure that we're mindful of that and helping them see that meaningful action and that again all of our volunteers know what their meaningful action is because if they own it they're going to share it more it's going to be heard differently when your volunteer is saying i am doing this and here's how i'm making this mission happen when the ceo hears that it's no longer the staff are saying my program is important my work is important it is a community member a donor, a volunteer saying, this is amazing. And thank, thank you for the opportunity to have a meaningful impact on the work and to have that meaningful action. Oh, beautifully said, beautifully said. Okay, so now this is what I have to ask, right? Usually, typically things like this that, that result in something so beautiful, um, 
was it was a result of something that wasn't working well and somebody had to sit down and be like okay how can we make it and so I kind of I was going to ask like what are some of those situations that led to we need to come up with a better way um so again and there's great opportunity on the redirect.org site you can watch you know a little bit more to understand but it's greatly summed up in what is an environment. And they talk about, you know, sometimes you see somebody angry and frustrated and instead of unpacking and going, what's influencing that? Um, you know, I'm going to pick on a volunteer, a great volunteer has done wonderful things for years and all of a sudden isn't showing up on time and is stressed out and frustrated when they're there. You know, I was just talking with an organization about this today. And if somebody doesn't ask them, what's going on? How can we help you be able to get here on time? You might not know all the extras, but with this framework, again, they looked at people don't do things. They're not mean or angry or disgruntled for no reason. Quite often we want to be good humans human nature, quite often, that's where we want to be. So this was, how do we tease out what's going on? How do we make sure that we're having clear expectations and building a model of what a good volunteer would be like and how a good volunteer fits in our organization? When they looked at, when you get stressed out, you know, we talk about when you're at your best, you're creative, solution-oriented, problem-solving, collaborative, and when you're not at your best, you're cranky, short-tempered, frustrated, you know, those kind of things. That's in that being capable quite often. You know, if you're feeling like you've got too much work on your plate, whether you're a volunteer engagement professional or a volunteer, you're like, ah. So that piece of work, the meaningful action, again, especially looking at if you feel like you're doing something and nothing is being produced from it, you're not part of a bigger whole, you're going to get burnt out. If you're even just looking at it from a not work standpoint, but from a human connectedness, if we're socially isolated, you know, I reflect on COVID and how I'm like, I wish I would have known this better then because that meaningful action, it's about being part of a bigger thing, a part of a bigger whole. So again, they just teased out and then there's a ton of research. Don't get me wrong. Academics, they got it in spades. There's fellows that have leaned in, graduate students, all of it. But again, they were teasing out what, what makes it so that someone isn't able to be the best version of themselves. And that's why they wanted to bring in this framework so that we, as everyday people, could use it to then lean in and say, we don't want a frustrated, angry, late volunteer Let's right-size this. Let's make it so that they can show up at their best. Oh, their kid now entered into intermediate school and it starts at a different time. Can we adjust the schedule? Whatever that might be. Right. Being flexible is is huge. It's huge. Um, Tracy, were you going to say something? Uh, just, I mean, Kayla started that off with, uh, you know, these were researchers, Stephen and Rachel Kaplan at the University of Michigan. 
who started off from what I remember researching the effects of environment on human behavior. And a lot of the research, at least at the beginning, I, I think started on what, what, you know, very commonly we think of as environment, our physical surroundings. And a lot of look at, do we, is there, are there benefits in having natural surroundings and being able to see trees or animals, you know, or taking breaks where we see those things. And so environment's impact on our behavior was a huge place where they, was where they started. And then it, it really grew out of that, this recognition that an environment is a lot of different things. So Kayla yeah. and I were just talking about this with a colleague today. Uh, it's so much more. We think first about our physical environments, but we have social environments. We have virtual and digital environments. We have financial environments. We have policy environments. We have all of these different theoretical spaces in which we operate in addition to the physical spaces. Um, and all of that impacts how effective we're able to be at whatever we're trying to do. And so I think it really grew over the decades um, from there. Uh, they, their, their original iteration of this model was called the reasonable person model. And it, and it sort of grew, okay, well then maybe that doesn't quite explain what we're talking about, or it has various connotations that we, we don't necessarily want to attach to this work. It turned into supportive environments for effectiveness. How can we create those, that multitude of environments in which all of us can be effective? Um, Love it. It's been fascinating to see the iterations of it just in the research, in the reading. So can either of you all or both of you all give an example of um, of seeing this model being put into place? Like if you were working with somebody and before they didn't have it and then you implemented the model and the result after. So, cause what I'm trying to convey to somebody who's listening to this and they're like, oh, that sounds all fine and great, right? But, you know, what really happens? <laughs> you know what I mean? So do e either or both of y'all have examples? I know Kayla does. I'm gonna <laughs> let Kayla take this one. But I must say, I have the privilege of during that learning circle, Redirect is all about small experiments. And I'm not a super science person, so changes is more the term I often use, small changes. And I was thankful and grateful during RSVP expansion, that retired and senior volunteer program, big expansion grant, I took on three new counties, which meant three new staffers. So I knew I had employee onboarding for volunteer engagement professionals in my very near future. <laughs> so that's what I took on as my challenge. Okay. And the way at United Way that we were onboarding staffers, I'll say it was a little bit of a fire hose method, um, throwing lots of information at them, having them meet with every department. Within their first day, they met 24 people and maybe couldn't remember many of them. Yeah. So really looking to see how could we, with this model in mind, do onboarding in a different approach. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I brought all the staffers on at the same time. So I was able to make a small change, see how it went, make another small change, kept adding to it instead of 
throwing lots of information at them, I said, what do they need to know? Like, what should every volunteer engagement professional have? I'll be honest, I went to a live, got some core competencies, <laughs> went to AmeriCorps, got some great trainings from Litmus there, you know, pulled my resources from Points of Light, tapped into all the amazing resources that we already have out there. Great blog posts, podcasts, everything. And went, what are things that they need to know right away? And I put them in their Asana project and assigned them as right away. Yo, things you that I was like, you know what? If they, those are like nice to have when they need it, I'll put it in here. And I'm like, when you get bored, these are these category. You know, I put it in disaster because we are the volunteer center. So chunked things out again, trying to make it so that they had a model to wrap their head around, that they knew what disaster volunteerism was right off the bat. And then as they had capacity, they could keep adding more to it. They could learn a little bit more. They could take a little bit more on. But also with the meaningful action, I always made sure they knew if and when we need to do disaster. What does that mean for the community? Hmm. As you think about, okay, here's the forms that we need to engage volunteers because federal grants, you got lots of compliance stuff, you know, how that is important and what is important about compliance. So just trying to think through all these pieces with everything. And again, small changes, not big overhaul, uh -huh. kept making little tweaks and looked at it and went, do we need to do it right away? Uh -huh. How much can we save for later? Do they need to know how to do a quarterly grant report in their first 30 days? No, because I'm probably going to do their first quarter grant report even. So let's put that on the back burner. Looked at where can I make it so that they're actively engaging in information that they can use and that they can put to use and that they are building out a resource library because you don't need to know the answer. You need to know where to get the answer quite often. Right. I love that, like bite-sized pieces. And forgive me because you all started it with the elephant analogy. And some people have heard, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. At a time. And just looking at it from that perspective and really, like you said, um, combing out and teasing out what is necessary. I think that's huge. And I think a lot of times, especially like when we're onboarding, um, like, volunteers and things like that. We're like, okay, you have to know all of this right now and get it all in. And then people are like overwhelmed and they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but just like, okay. And I love how you break it down. What do they need to know in their first 30 days? In your first 30 days, what is crucial to your role and what you have to know in order to be successful? And then in the next 30 days, you know, you can build on and, you know, and looking at it by, you know, three months later, like, okay, at the three month mark, you should have all of this, but you don't necessarily have to have it in the first two weeks of your onboarding. Um, I really like that. I really, really like that. Well, and I even heard from an organization yesterday, she's like, okay, if their first like onboarding shift is four hours, two hours, I might teach them and talk policies with them and that kind of stuff. And then two hours they shadow and they mm. start to see like, oh, that's why it's important. That's my confidentiality. Like get those practical pieces right off the bat. I love that. I love that. Just rethinking 
everything that we do. <laughs> and like through that lens, it makes such a big, a big difference. Um, so Tracy, did you have anything to add on to that before I move? Do you have any examples that you'd like to share? Well, I just wanted to share that there are a, a dozen maybe or more partner stories on the redirect website at redirect.org. Folks can go to the stories section and there are brief snippets that link to longer descriptions of the impact that this has had for organizations and everything, a number of onboarding, volunteer onboarding, board onboarding, board orientation, uh, ways that organizations have transformed that by using this framework, but also um, performance review processes, offboarding mm -hmm. processes. Um, and what I'm looking forward to in the cohort that I'm going to be uh, hopefully hosting this summer, which is going to be focused specifically on volunteer engagement, is encouraging organizations to start looking at the various elements of volunteer engagement specifically. So let's look at our needs and program assessments. How can we put a C lens on that? Let's look at our position descriptions. How can we make sure that meaningful action is described in addition to addressing how are they going to know what they need to know and how are they going to figure out where they fit in, in their position descriptions, in your intake and onboarding process, in your appreciation efforts? How yeah. do those all overlap and how can you use this framework to make sure that everything that you're doing with and for volunteers is creating a supportive environment in which they want to, to stick around and tell I, others about it? I love it. Well, and I love the fact whether it's volunteer engagement specific or they're doing it as an organization, even if they start off with something staff specific, hopefully every nonprofit has amazing volunteers or is actively working on getting there. Mm -hmm. But when you start rethinking how you engage people and how you help people bring out the best version of themselves and bring that best version to the work, it's going to affect both sides. So even the ones that are working on volunteer engagement with Tracy, I have a feeling in a year, that's going to trickle throughout the organization. Uh -huh. Because one of the pieces with Redirect, it's it's really building it as an org culture and a way of being, not just a checklist that you're checking the boxes. Right, right, right. Um. How many times did you guys have to rewrite and edit this before it was published? I would say content didn't change. Brevity. Yes. We would like sit there and keep, yeah. keep picking pieces out um, and trying to be as concise. I am thankful that we were able to edit other words, you know, so we had sources that we pulled because I'm like, I'm so much better at cutting other people's content than my own. Well, because I'm listening to you all talk and I'm like, clearly it's a wealth of knowledge. And I was like, y'all got this. It's like one page. That's it is. Yeah. A tight shit. But it didn't start that way. I think what happened, I think I drafted something that was far more than one page. And then Kayla came in and slashed and consolidated and used more concise terminology for things that it took me a paragraph to say. And so it was a, and we went back and forth, but it didn't take a ton of time. I mean, I think that yeah, we, we worked really well together. Well, and I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kayla. I joke that, you know, as you get to learn it better, you can get more concise. So I think we also 
you know, as you try and right size how much information you're throwing at somebody, you you have to know it better. So it also challenged us to think like, how else should we think of this? How else could we give an example? Yeah. Well, and I love that because even in trimming this down, you still literally just talked about the model that you just had in terms of thinking, what is, what does somebody need in yeah. when they're reading this? What are the the main things that they need? So the yeah. same way you were looking at onboarding and parsing it down, you literally did that to get this result. And it is impactful and powerful. And I mean, I, I love it. Um, and, and I love that it leads you, leaves you wanting more and you have that opportunity to reach out and to dive in. It's like you all just gave like a little teaser. Part of the framework, Nicole, it's our secret sauce. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, they're giving out their secret sauce. <laughs> I love redirect it. secret sauce. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we've talked a lot about redirect. Um, for people who don't necessarily know about it, and they're listening to this, and they're like, "Man, this is something." It sounds like I might want to take part in. Like, how did you all become? ambassadors for it? Was there a process? Is it, I don't want to necessarily say open to everybody because I'm sure that there's something that you have to go through, but is there an application process? Like how can people find out more about it? Cause I mean, you've definitely, you know, talked about it a lot and I, I know it's, it's already piqued my interest. So can y'all tell us a little bit more about it? We're kind of building the bike and riding it at the same time would be a good analogy. Um, Redirect has had an amazing individual that has helped lead a lot of the learning circles over the years, and they recognize, okay, to take this to scale, we need to engage more people. Mm -hmm. So they put out an RFP um, and had us submit proposals, and then they're like, hey, you and Tracy know each other, and we've got another one that was a grad student under the Kaplan's. You know, I think would you guys be interested in writing a proposal together? Mm. I'm glad they pushed us to do it because again, yes. we, we all see things and I have loved building off each other. I can't imagine having done that, done this work oh, by myself. Yeah. So after we do this cohort, we're looking at what does the next step look like? What, how can we engage an army of individuals to help build and fight for supportive environments for effectiveness at all nonprofits. Um, so the board's working on that and maybe we can come back in six to nine months and share how that can roll out. Um, but I would say right now, learn, be hungry, go explore, um, connect with organizations in your area or maybe that are sister organizations that have engaged and collaborated with Redirect and there's a lot of us volunteer centers that you could connect with. And one of the things that, um, like the theme that I keep hearing throughout this entire discussion, um, even if we're not necessarily saying it word for word, but collaboration. From the time we started, like y'all talked about you're collaborating on the article, you're collaborating with what you're doing individually, you're collaborating on this. And so I kind of just want to talk about 
the power of collaboration, um, especially for people who are in um, the um, profession of volunteer um, engagement, and they feel like they're in it all alone because they don't know, or they feel like they don't need it. Not like in such a way like, I don't need it, but they're just like, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. Like I'm, 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 I'm holding my own. I'm good. But the power of collaboration can take you from good to great. And talk a little bit about your thoughts on that. I'll start because I will be honest that I am a person who is sometimes resistant to that. And I, I mean, I have to say that it took, it has taken lots of experiences for me to really recognize and appreciate the value of it because it's hard work. And that is, that's something that we all have to acknowledge. It takes more time, at least on the front end, sometimes to collaborate, to work together, to get on the same page. Kila and I speak different languages sometimes, and we have to be really conscious about checking in with one another about how we can communicate more effectively with each mm. other to move the work that we're both, you know, working on forward. Um, so I think that, but but then here's what I learned. So we're working together and it takes so much more time and we have all of these meetings and, oh, I could just be doing this on my own. And then Kayla or our, our colleague, Catherine says something that, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Mm. And they have, they have such different and in my opinion, better examples when I, you know, I'm, I can explain it, but I don't have these concrete examples. And Kayla has an analogy for everything and it's phenomenal. No, I mean, I mean like a little Kayla, I mean, I, I don't have this formally, but like a library of Kayla and Catherine examples of how we apply this and organizations that have applied it. And that's why I deferred to her on this, you know, your question about giving me an example about how this actually worked in practice. We just, of course, Kayla, I know that she's gonna have a great example of that. Um, and that's the power of collaboration that, you know, I only have what's in my brain. Mm. Um, I only see the world from this perspective and and it's just so much better it takes more time and it's it's hard work but the the end product is so much more robust uh and valuable um as a result and thank you for your um transparency on that and just you know acknowledging because it is especially you know if you were like in your college years and you were on multiple group projects where people didn't show up and didn't do their part and you're like you know what I, I can do don't need myself. all that I can yes. yes I can do it I can get it done I know I will set my timeline I will make my timeline I will do what I need to do um and so it could be definitely difficult to trust that someone else will do it um and will will also will come through so do you have any tips on if you're going to collaborate, what are like some questions that you ask? What are you things that you look for 
before entering into that? Are there any, for the lack of better words, warning signs or red flags that let you know this is not somebody that you want to enter into that type of collaboration? Because it's already going to be hard enough as it is. <laughs> is there something that can prevent it from being like extra unnecessarily difficult? So part of me says you already nailed some of it. Trust, also vulnerability. So we had open dialogue as the three of us got to really know each other. And, you know, I knew a facet of Tracy's work, but I didn't know everything. It's like, okay, what are, what are our own awesomeness? What are things that we're great at? And where are we going to need to lean on each other? Mm. Um, and being transparent about that, because again, a collaboration is a team mm-hmm. and you're going to go I sometimes when people are like, I want X, I'm like, okay, do you want it quick or do you want it good? Like, those are your two options because what I'm hearing, I could just muscle through it or we could engage a team at your organization to talk through it, find it out. You know, so again, having that piece where, what do you need? What are your timelines? Because it might be more of a, we divide, conquer and check in on each other. So when we're working on a tight deadline, that might be our role. But when we've got a broader deadline, it's sometimes all sitting in a conference call and talking through and playing. I mean, today, two of us were working on a scenario and I was like, Tracy, can I quick share this with you? Because I want to get your perspective. And she's like, ooh, and what about this? And what about that? And it's in a true collaboration. I also think... Nobody should feel like they own any of it because if you truly collaborate and again, people need to hang the mirror. If you need to feel like you have ownership and you say, I did that, then maybe that's not right for you. But when I reflected back on what we created today, I was funny because I'm like, okay, well, Catherine added that in and Tracy added that in and what I saw, the vibrant activity at the end it wasn't any one person's effort it had all of our voices and perspectives in it so it was better for it and no pun intended new voices and perspectives but i think that's the pieces you know until you until you can make that trust and you invest time in building a collaborative partnership Collaboration can be a buzzword that people say they're doing, but that they're not investing in to get a true return on. You know, something you said reminded me of um, an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I have a friend that tells me that is like my mantra and I kind of laugh because it is, but. But it's, 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 you know. Ah, enough said. It's like, it's, I don't even have to say anything after that. Um, Tracy, how about you? Any tips, red flags in the collaborating space? If you're talking to people and they say a word or they like do an action and you're just like, I'm just trying to be like basic real, right? Like, let's say, let's say you try to you're going to collaborate with somebody in the first, let's just say the first two times they don't show up to the meeting on time. Is that something where you're like, oh, it's a red flag. Do you give them another chance? Like, 
I think the first step is you address it. Mm. I, I mean, I think that's the 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 thing to do. And it's, we have such a hard time addressing things, right? Some of us, I don't know. Uh, but you know, it's okay. I just need to bring this up because it's bothering me. Uh, can we start our meetings on time? And if after addressing it, something doesn't change that makes the situation workable for you, then maybe it's not a good partnership. But you don't know until you say something about it, right? And again, I would use the C framework and I would challenge people to ask, did somebody sign up for this before the meeting time got scheduled? Because I was part of a committee that they scheduled it when I had a standing thing. And I was like, I, I can be a follower, but I don't feel comfortable actually being on the committee because I can't, I can't bring the best version of myself to you guys because I won't be there. So also thinking through, did we give everybody the opportunity to collaborate? Right. And what else might be going on here? Because there might be really valid reasons, like Kayla said, that you scheduled this meeting before they ever, you know, had any an opportunity for input. Input. So maybe we just need to change the time of the meeting. And well, maybe we need to express that it's important to us that we start on time. Right. And I think that all just comes down to the basic of the atom of life. It's communication. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of times we expect people to know and understand um, without just asking. And it, and it is amazing what you can find out when you simply ask a question. The revelation that you can get from that, that will change your perspective on what you think it looks like at face value opposed to when you get the full context and it's like, oh, oh, you know? So I love that you weren't like, if they don't come to those first two meetings, I'll just blow them off and, oh, this person can never show Like give them an opportunity to be like, hey, I just want to address this. Like, what can we do? What, and, and you know, and I would say, I would say, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lot of things. But I'm going to say, I'm going to be, very optimistic. 90% of the time, the behavior will change because people aren't doing things on purpose. I, um, on one of the other um, podcasts that we did, um, Carrie Hart was sharing. She was like, you know, people don't wake up in the morning thinking, who can we aggravate and upset today? Like, that's just not people's mindset when most people, most, most people's mindset is not like, who can I aggravate today? So like giving people grace and having those conversations and being transparent can go a long, long, long way. Yeah. And I'll say even with Tracy and I collaborating, I get overwhelmed by emails and, you know, she's more of an email queen. And what was it last week? Email for each individual thought. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might be, but the good news is that she does help chunk it out. So I can like delete an email once I complete a task, but we had a conversation, heck, even just two weeks ago about, okay, yeah. how can we, you know, where are we doing this? And again, it's that open conversation because like, we know we're better together. We know that we complement each other and that finding great ways to work together 
helps move things forward. So it's, you know, sometimes you might be like, uh, I don't know if I'm stepping on toes. I don't know if I'm frustrating. Um, you know what? We all get frustrated. Mm -hmm. I get frustrated with my best friend. My husband, right. just, he's like, you probably want to kill me some days. And I was like, no, not you. I don't think I ever kill you, but sometimes you might be sleeping on the couch. No, <laughs> you know, different things of even those meaningful relationships, there's a little conflict and we need to work through that to, to operate as a collective whole. And I love that you said meaningful relationships, because it reminds me of a conversation that I had with Barry Outland when he was talking about having difficult conversations, he was like, he likes to refer to them as meaningful conversations, not difficult conversations. Because as soon as you put in your mind difficult, your mindset already goes into this is going to be, it's going to be hard as opposed to approaching it from this is going to be a meaningful conversation that is going to result in something that um, is going to be good for everybody involved. At least that's the, that is the intent. That's where we want to go. And so the fact that you just said, meaning, meaningful relationships, having meaningful conversations is just, I, it just ties right into that, just ties right into that, man, this is good stuff. Okay. So I have, I am completely flipping the switch and I'm going like, out of left field here. Um, Kayla, I know that you have presented at um, Points of Light several times. Um, and I know many people would love to present at Points of Light and don't have the opportunity to do so because they get rejected, which is okay, right? Because rejection is a part of life. But they also say, if you want to be somewhere, Ask somebody who's been there of how to get there. So I'm asking on behalf of many people who would love that opportunity. How are you able to do that so many times? <laughs> um, I would say it's not, I didn't go about it from the goal of that. Okay. Um, and one of the times I was able to bring and showcase amazing organizations that were working on service enterprise with me. What I often find, whether it's presenting that MAVA or Points of Light or heck, your own state conference, ask yourself, what is it that I can make bite-sized? Honestly, take the C framework. I was just about to say the C framework. Because even as I am, as I was preparing lots of conference proposals for the C framework, I was thinking about it from that. Can I build a model in my proposal? Am I sharing what the model is and how it will relate to others so that they know how it fits into their daily work? They know how it can help their audience do their work better. Then being capable. Am I making it right size? I think, and honestly, as I've reviewed proposals for other presentations and conferences, sometimes there's so much that I'm like, hmm, I'm giving you 45 minutes. There is no way you can do all of that justice and make it so that somebody can attend six sessions in one day. Mm. Like they're going to be burnt out after one fire hose. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to think through, you know, how is it that I can chunk it out and that I can give them space and resources 
to learn and continue learning. You don't have to give it all at one presentation. And then when we write our goals and stuff, and I think this is one piece that I've seen, especially lately, places don't want your learning objectives. Mm. Take your learning objectives and not think of them as what are they going to learn today, but how is it going to change their work? What's that meaningful action? And Love as it. you, again, the C framework might solve all things, but so far has not solved my 14 year old and her sack. <laughs> so I'm still working on that people. If I get it, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll share it. <laughs> and don't, as you want to be somewhere, remember small steps, small changes, because I'll tell you, I have worked out the kinks on multiple renditions of delivering supportive environments for effectiveness, kind of that one-on-one intro level. And I think I've delivered it eight different ways now mm. because I keep making small changes as I watch my audience engage and learn. So if you do a couple local pro bono skilled yeah. volunteer roles, um, you know, do some smaller paying gigs that will help get your confidence and your references to get to the national stage. I love it. And so with that being said, are y'all going to be collaborating on any presentations coming up? <laughs> Supportive environments will be seen at a pretty large scale um, volunteer engagement conference. Um, and there's a couple talks about maybe some other statewide groups as they've seen and heard that we're doing this to see if we might be interested in sharing some insight. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, I love a bit of um, mystery. So that just means y'all have to just continue to tune in to find out when and where it's going to be. Um, so, but with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and let's bring this to a close. This was such a great conversation and we could have, oh my gosh, we could literally talk for another two or three hours. And I know I say that every time, but I literally mean it every single time. Um, how can people reach out to either of you, both of you, um, to connect? And I know that they can also reach out to um, redirect.org. Um, but in terms of getting more information, how to connect with you all, how can people listening do that? For me, volunteermanagementconsulting.com. That's my uh, website. You can connect with me there. I'm Tracy at Volunteer Management Consulting, and uh, I'd love to hear from folks. Wonderful. Kayla? It's Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A, at kaylapalson.com, or I also encourage if somebody is wanting, especially the redirect ones, they can email ambassadors at redirect.org. Okay. And the great news is, is that goes to the one staffer that they have and the three of us ambassadors. Okay. So we're able to help answer questions, lean into each of our specialties and what we're uniquely qualified to do to help get the person connected with the resources they need. 
Ladies, this has been so great and so wonderful. I want to thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that you've shared. Thank you for writing that article. If you all have not read it, I mean, do so. You need to read it. It's an eye opener. Um, no pun intended because it's the C model. Um, I will drop a link to it in the show notes to make sure that people are able to access it along with all the great other great information that they have mentioned. So I just am gonna go ahead and, and close out and thank you so much for listening to another episode. Please like, subscribe, share with colleagues um, if this has been helpful to you. Um, I know it's been helpful to me, so I'm gonna like, share, and subscribe myself. Um, anyway, thank you all. Thank you both so much for coming. Thank you all for listening to From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, the good, the bad, and the same. Woo! And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.